Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. A critical look at the state of advertising from the bottom up. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hey. hey! Welcome back to Mixed Company. Yo, yo, yo. We are here, episode two. We are back. I think this is great. That's a feat. We've we definitely accomplished something here. Um, we definitely did not know what to expect. We had some great listenership. We definitely had some great participation. Um, and we are happy to be here. Yes. Word. We're your hosts. I'm Kai. I'm Karina. I'm Simeon. And we're Mixed Company. Um, this episode's going to be a little more structured. Um, we're going to tell, you know, our thank yous once again, your comments that you left on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, even our email. Um, and then we're going to get into what's cool in the industry. And then we're going to talk about what's hot in the industry, our hot topic, and then dive into our discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again to everybody who listened and gave feedback, uh, the good feedback and the bad feedback. Uh, but for future reference, you do not have to slide into my DMs or text messages. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud <laughs> or Facebook, down the DM. <laughs> or, or you can send a letter to our email, which is axmiscompany at gmail.com. And uh, I'm just going to jump into one of the first uh, comments that we got from a Facebook user. Oh, that sounded pretty old. I, I mean, it's cool. Facebook That's what user. it is. It's a Facebook user. <laughs> Our Facebook friend. <laughs> Who yes. is uh, Jewel. Um, and she said, I, I really enjoyed this. It was honest, informative, hashtag, real talk, about what us non-CCOs and non-CMOs may encounter. Smart perspectives, and I appreciate this offering subbed, which I just realized means subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Shout out to the subscription. <laughs> And then on iTunes from Hurricane Sandy, she said, come through. I listened to the first episode and really enjoyed it. The conversation was natural and flowed. Can't wait for the next episode. Thanks so much, Sandy. Awesome. We also got an email from JoJo. Definitely appreciate that. JoJo says, great talk, guys. I wanted to jump in several times during the convo. For quite a while, I felt like a major factor in agencies being able to get away with not diversifying our industry was subjective. Yes, there are bottom lines to be looked at somewhere, but in my experience of working for over six years in a big agency, they don't really care about what you think. I saw money being hemorrhaged when awards smells, award, awards hounds smelled blood. That's intense. But there's always the buddy system of who will be on the team. Of course, that leads to CDs surrounding themselves with people who look like them, listen to the same kinds of bands, and have similar viewpoints. Mm. I mean, I think that's a fair perspective. Yes. That's definitely experience. I, I know some people have. I think we're going to get into a little bit of that later on in yeah. the episode. Definitely, definitely discussing that. that discussion. But like Simeon said, for any of you that want to be a part of the conversation, you can Facebook us that, comment, iTunes review that comment, email us that comment at asked ask mixed company at gmail.com that's a-s-k-m-i-x-e-d-c-o-m-p-a-n-y at gmail.com and we'll be sure to get back to you guys uh or read your comment aloud on the air
right, so our second segment is the That's Dope, uh, What's Hot segment. Um, essentially, this is when Karina, Simeon, and I will kind of give our takes on some um, dope things that we've read in publications or that we've seen in industry news or that we've just kind of experienced as relates to advertising, media, marketing, tech, etc. Um, my dope thing or dope-ish comes from an article I read earlier uh, today actually called Advertising the Sequel. Um, it was written by a creative um, named Kirk Souter. Uh, Kirk actually talks about his experience um, creating, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it is a movie, I think you can catch it on Netflix, but I know you can definitely find it online somewhere called Art and Copy, and basically he interviews a whole bunch of dope people that have contributed to advertising as we know it today, um, from the idea of putting a designer and a copywriter in a room together and watching them make magic pause, um, to actually creating some of them. <laughs> I mean, Sim, I didn't mean you to take it there. I didn't mean to take it there, but I just, I couldn't help it. But I definitely taking, you're welcome, but definitely taking it from, from that piece of, you know, uh, revolutionizing advertising to creating amazing campaigns. And essentially in this article, Kirk discusses um, pretty much what's the new wave of advertising and what is the new revolution um, and that it goes far beyond technology um, and digital. It's actually about the way, I guess, to connect with consumers. That way that he discusses is um, bringing purpose at bringing purpose to the forefront as an evolution in our industry. Um, quite frankly, I don't necessarily think that this is new, but I think that it does kind of uh, put a stake in the ground or, or it kind of helps to bring sanity to me to know that people are actually looking to be a part of a brand and contribute to contribute to society beyond just purchasing um, physical, topical, materialistic things. They actually kind of want to make change. Um, from a quote from the article, he says, uh, Agencies of the world have the opportunity of a lifetime to alter what an agency does and what advertising can be for the brands and people of the world, to move the creative revolution into a purpose revolution, to move from creating shareholder value to creating true world value. And this revolution isn't just about the focus of the work, but about the new nature of the companies who makes it, who make it. I think that's ever so important especially to what we're discussing here on mixed company as you know this goes beyond us just wanting to get a check or us just wanting to be a part of the next dope thing that you see on tv or on billboards and actually bringing spotlight to you know important conversations and things that hit your heart we want to you know with advertising and just media in general right now like people want to tug on the heartstrings so applause and kudos to kirk for bringing this to the forefront um, shout out to all the creatives out there that want to do more and all of the account people and the producers and tech teams, et cetera, that want to do more than just their job, but you actually want to make an impact. We feel you. We are here with you and we're just trying to do the same. Dope. Nice. That's dope. That is dope. Aw, heartstrings. Um, mine is a, um, some work that was done by Ovi and Mather in Bangkok. 
and it's called Behind the Leather, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, basically, they did a pop shop of a high-end leather store with leather goods. And, like, let's say you want to go try on those lovely python shoes, you'll find that you stepped into some blood. Or if you want to... <laughs> Sorry, uh, guy. <laughs> or if you want to try on that leather handbag, when you open it, you'll see a beating heart. And basically, the takeaway is, you know, cruelty is a daily business. And, you know, it's PETA. I mean, how... This is... To me, this was the best work from PETA. But you're laughing. laughing. Instead of throwing blood on you, they're going to have you step in it this time. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's better produced, I suppose. I mean, no. I'm, if, if you want to make an impact and if you want to get capture oh, people's yeah. attention, like me, I'm not going to lie, I love leather. And I really like fur. This is what happens when you grow up and you have to start working at 13. <laughs> you dream about buying a fur coat. Like, that would capture my attention for like a good 15 minutes. Yeah, and you can catch the video on PETAAsia.com slash skins um, to see people freak out and see how PETA got the message out there. So but Don't try that in the winter, though, because it really gets cold. <laughs> like, that's not even fair. That's, that's not fair. It hurts your feelings. <laughs> so uh, my, my dope thing of the week is non-advertising related. It's actually about the casting of the new Black Panther uh, Marvel movie. That actually is advertising related, uh, but yeah, continue. Yeah, but you know, um, I'm just really happy that it's blackity, blackity, black, black, black. Black, black, black. Uh, <laughs> fine black too, just fine. Um, they, just I, all yeah, the minions, just so oh Kai my gosh. So ready for this movie. Because we should go to a movie so night. Ready. We could. I will go along. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I just I just think it's dope because I feel like our you know the entertainment industry and advertising are so intertwined and we influence each other and for them to have a black director, which is uh, what's the old boy's name, Uh, Ryan Coogler, who did Creed, and then um, I'm not that excited. I mean, (laughs) that's why she's saying by herself. (laughs) Chadwick Boseman and Lupita Nyong'o H-U? and uh, Michael B. Jordan. I feel like to have oh. all of these forces <laughs> kind of joined together for They joined together. It would only be <laughs> better if they were in a boy together. band. The only thing that could make this better is if it was like a boy band, like the Jacksons or something. How would Because they are... What is I the, mean, the, she the, was saying... I the mean, DeBarge had the okay. sister. DeBarge. <laughs> DeBarge had the sister. Okay. But you, you, this is I'm also very excited. <laughs> I think I'm not reaching. I think there's. I think obviously from like a cultural standpoint, it is important to have. You know, these are black superheroes. These are right. these are, and not just like, you know, generic. These are these are very brown people that are they very, are very into like their their blackness and that speak with it speak about being black and of the diaspora with so much pride and now mm-hmm. they're all in the same movie Word. and they're superheroes so they're saving the world and they all just happen to be ridiculously attractive that's amazing it is i'm excited <laughs> we i'm know. excited from <laughs> a superficial standpoint and from an in-depth point of view that opening night is going to be so dope what i'm gonna wear my fur where my fur? I'm so excited. It's about to be spring slash hopefully summer. Well, okay, I wear leather. Till 2018. This is like first quarter, like first or second quarter. Uh, it's global warming. It'd be cold in New York until like September. We're yeah, good. Oh, please don't kill my spirit. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. Cool. Yeah, and that's that's my dope ish for the week. That was yeah. dope. That's yeah. dope.
So now we get to move into our segment of hot topic. Um, this is pretty much where we kind of set you guys up for the kind of discussion we plan to have today. Um, or at any show uh, for that matter. Um, essentially, I'll kind of give you a story that's been in the headlines of your favorite um, advertising or communication uh, publication, and we kind of discuss how it relates to diversity, how it relates to our industry, and how it relates to the progress for all people. Um, so for today, our hot topic is the departure of Felicia Geiger, from Deutsch. Um, for those of you that may or may not be familiar, uh, Felicia was the SVP of uh, diversity, sorry, direct, sorry, SVP Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Deutsch for about 14 years. Um, during that time, she participated in a lot of groups and events such as Live Out Loud, Ad Color, uh, Diversity Achievement and Mosaic Awards and Forum. Um, as well as the American Advertising Federation. Um, for many of you that may have had any part um, in, I guess, the IPG uh, rotational program, you guys may have seen her, worked with her at some point. Um, she's just really a really big, a really big part of the DNI movement in within advertising. Um, if you guys, if anyone has had a chance to kind of read through Adweek or Digiday, um, a Deutsch spokesperson discussed her departure um, specifically to the elimination of her title. So they didn't just um, respectfully ask her to step down. It was actually just a removal of the department from the organization. Um, they basically said one of the philosophies, sorry, this is a quote, one of the philosophies we lean into is that everybody at Deutsch, from the CEO to the receptionist, owns diversity. I'm not gonna say anything yet. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna hold it in. I'm gonna wait because we have to give the facts first. Um, another rep writes: We really wanted to make sure that everybody was stepping up and owning it. Having one person who owned it kind of took the responsibility off everybody else. And now our diversity efforts are spread much more through not just HR, just in the HR department, but in other departments throughout the agency. Um, that's great. <laughs> that sounds all kind of great. Um, and another article that came out a few days later after... Um, after Agency Spy released uh, Felicia's departure, Felicia responded uh, saying that I was told the agency was no longer going to invest in diversity. Um, they wanted to put their efforts behind other initiatives such as technology. Okay, um, I need a breath. Okay, Deutsch no longer, um, Deutsch is no longer investing in diversity. And I think that kind of leads us into kind of, not kind of, into our discussion, period, right? Um, our last discussion, we kind of talked about, you know, what does diversity mean? What does it look like? How do you make it happen? Um, so on and so forth. And honestly, I feel like, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like, I feel bad. Like, did we conjure this up? Like, did we speak this into fruition? Because this is exactly, I think I made a statement in the last episode you about. <laughs> you called eventually, it. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like, obviously, I know in one of the articles it talks about, like, 
the the elimination of the DNI department at Deutsch was in discussion from earlier in the year, and I'm yeah. sure far beyond that. But like, I had no clue, and and the people sitting in this room had no clue. But the comment I made was, there's going to come a point where businesses and agencies are going to be able to justify diversity, however they want to. You don't necessarily have to look different or be specifically different, but if you can find nuances that are essentially different, um, that you can you can defend diversity. And on one hand, I guess that's fine. Um, on the other hand, it's not. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pose it to you guys, and then I'll take a step back because I feel like I've been talking and I need to get my thoughts together. But let's I mean let's go for it like let's start with who owns diversity at the workplace oh yeah I mean in, in the in the context of this what Deutsch is saying is that everyone at the company is responsible for diversity so they're responsible for you know widening the pool they're responsible for nourishing the staff um they're responsible responsible for retention um because all of these things fall under diversity and inclusion. It's not just getting brown faces in the room. It's also making sure that your women feel included, that your women yeah. are developed, that your women are um, included in the conversation. It's not yeah. just, you know, her job wasn't just a singular thing to get brown people in the room. So if we're saying who owns that, we're leaving it to one person. Well, who yeah. should own? But who should own it? I mean, who should own it? Well, you, you... And to me, from a business perspective, and I go with Nancy Hill with this one is the CEO should own diversity. That's fair. I mean, he the CEO is responsible for the company. Oh, I'm sorry. It could be a she. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that person is responsible for the environment for the business, for the future, for that company. That's what their job is for. They're the chief executive officer. And they need to employ the people who are going to fulfill those objectives. So that's who really owns diversity, you know, making sure that it is a topic. But on top of that, to me, the role of the CDO, the chief diversity officer, is a gatekeeper in my perspective making sure that there are diverse workplaces. And, and another thing is, I know when we think of diversity, we think brown people, but it's beyond that. It like what Sim that. said, you know, it's women, you know, it's young parents, anyone who's a minority group, there's soldiers, there's LGBT groups, you know, that's true diversity. But then on the flip side, people can make their own definitions of diversity and that's where it becomes an issue for me. I mean, I think it's really important. I think it's really important to understand, yes, as a CEO of any organization, it is your duty to kind of lead the direction. However, I think it's really important if there is a strategy in place or if there is... Um, an idea that you're trying to carry out, somebody has to be responsible to help expand that idea throughout the organization because the CEO has all kinds of things to worry about. Like, right. like 
making money, but yeah. you have yeah. a chief financial officer right. that carries that out for you. Yeah. It's definitely something that's top of mind. It's definitely a line item on your status list when you have your meetings, but you have somebody that takes the eight to 24 hours, however many hours they feel like working that day to dedicate yeah. to that idea. And I, I think it's really disheartening to hear that technology, the idea of technology is somehow more important to expand within an agency than the personnel or like the the makeup of the body of people that create your yeah. agency to work the technology. Right. It literally demeans the human part of what it of 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 what HR means, what human resource means. Like yeah. the, now you're limited you're limiting it back down to a number because again, we're it just sounds like so everyone's now a workhorse. Yeah. And and if and if everyone is responsible for diversity, does that now mean that everyone has a say in the hiring practices? Like, what does the hire, what does the recruitment process now look like if everyone is responsible? Because to me, at a company, like when you're working, responsibility means whose neck gets chopped right. <laughs> when shit don't go right. Oh, like, and you can't just say, well, we all failed. No, you can't just say that. Like, it literally has to be somebody to have like a check and balance to say, okay, this doesn't look right. Or let's throw a whole bunch of different people into this pool, interview them all, and then for real, for real, pick the best one. Right. But then if you, and if you leave diversity to everyone, it's like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> As an agency, like, what is your viewpoint on this topic? And does right. that mean that everyone is there for checking everyone to make sure it's carried out? Yeah, like, and secondly, like, not everybody knows what diversity even means. Right. And I, and I think that's that's the bigger issue is that they don't know. It's, it's, it's a part of HR, and, and I think that was part of Deutsch's um, rebuttal when people kind of flipped out. Is that it's part of HR, but they don't know what it means. It's, it's not about it's knowing what it like, means, it, though. But, but it's not about knowing what it means. It's about having, creating your idea of what it means and carrying it out. Like, like we said last time, everyone's gonna have their own definition, but they're not even trying. Right. Like, you don't even care. You don't even care to define it for yourself. It is. It is no longer a topic of conversation for you because. Whoever made this decision felt that everything was all right anyway. And that is so sad. Like, I had this discussion last week with somebody else. Like, the reality of the situation is, at the top, your leadership, they're going to make decisions that they feel are best without any insight of what that feels like from the bottom up. And that's why we have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. We discuss the things we discuss, the way we discuss it, because it's from our perspectives of not having that kind of stake or investment within the company. We have not been in the agency for 10 years. We have not been, um, we have not achieved that level of, of seniority to, to be able to have those kinds of conversations. But I think as you grow within the ranks, you lose sight of the real things. Like 
if there's no chief diversity officer and you're telling me as a project manager that my head of the of or as a producer that my head of production or or pm is the one that's going to make sure that the entire company sees some sort of diversity whether it is by race sex creed sexuality whatever bruh like i don't want to be here no more that's no there's no path for me like you're lying you made that up that's like you're, that's like when your parents say that your big cousin is in charge that heifer ain't in charge she's my age she's six months older than me that's not like that's not real life and it makes it a joke the fact that i can yeah. even make that right. it's make that distinction yeah. is like it's a joke it's a joke to them and i think they're dismissing it, they're sweeping it under the rug, and they're trying to make it seem like it's not a big deal because we're trying to do bigger and better with technology without even stating what your plan for technology growth is. Right. Right. And even to that point where you're saying it's a joke, you know, the follow-up articles, and especially the one that was wrapped up about them, um, wrapped in their response wrapped into the article about them hiring the two male um, CCOs, it, it, it was a joke to them, like, because to your point, like, in the last episode where you can have three white men in a room and you can pick and choose what characteristics about them make the three of them diversity. diverse. Yeah. And you're not wrong. Right. You're not wrong, but then you have to say, like, that's what we think diversity right. is. Be, if you're going to be bold to say that there are more important things to discuss, then I need you to be bold to say this is what we actually think diversity is. Yeah. yeah. And to their point, like, I think, well, I'll actually just read what they said. They define diversity as Dan is completely bald. Trevor is a seven-foot-tall Irish man. Andrew is a five-six five, guy from Brooklyn. Laughter. They don't look anything alike. So when you're, <laughs> when you're, when that's your definition of diversity, and you're basically telling everyone to, to own it, and that's the strategy that they're supposed to follow, you're basically going, you're, you're not going to get a true sense of diversity because you're telling everyone that these, the fact that one dude is seven foot tall and the other one is five, six, like, this is a strategy for diversity. So everyone who you're telling to own, like, that's what they should follow. And it's a cop-out because, like, yes, that, yeah, technically, yes, that's what diversity means if you want to look in, you know, Webster. But diversity is just step one. The second step is inclusion. Right. Right. And when you, the thing about this is that, okay, we, because Deutsch was praised within IPG for being diverse, mm -hmm. you know. Felicia did a fantastic job. So now it's like, okay, we're really, we've got diversity set. We're good. And, we, and we've taken but it for don't. granted. But they but, don't. But right. the thing is, you only completed step one of the process, sweetie. Like, you didn't do, the next part of that is inclusion. So it's like you're stopping in the middle of a race saying, I won, and it's like, no, you still got more, um, more time to do. And so, and, and that's, I think that's a great point um, because you, you mentioned inclusion. Full disclosure, I, I worked at Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and, and to that point, um, you know, Felicia's the reason why I was at Deutsch. And my, my time there was, it started extremely stressful. I was able to produce work while I was there, but it started extremely stressful because every day was wrapped, the first couple of months that I was there, every day was wrapped up into me begging for work. And when we're talking about inclusion, um, 
it's it's how everyone's treated or everyone's included in the work in the process and when i looked at my white counterparts a lot of them were included off the bat mm. and so one day i decided to have a little social experiment because i really felt <laughs> like <you're> petty. <laughs> and I did it then not knowing that we would be here today but I, I felt that I wasn't a part of the team even though people we kept saying yeah. I was on the team and these people that they're saying should be the masters or the holders yeah. of diversity yeah. and inclusion they were the people who made me feel excluded Mm. and like the outlier and um I hate that word. So I, I know you're I doing. That's why I used that it. <laughs> you don't like Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't like the word. I don't like the word outlier. I don't like the word outlier because I. Yeah. Mm, I'm awake. <laughs> oh. Go ahead. And so the. And I remember I was like on G chat with somebody one day, and I and I said to them, I, I don't even think they realize that I'm here, even yeah. though I'm like going into people's offices saying, hey, you know, like doing all the things that they tell you to do when you come to the HC, like you're supposed to be hungry, you're supposed to be the guy who's always excited. raising his hand, yeah. excited. And you're doing all those things. And I said to somebody, I don't even think they realize that I'm here. And so I said, well, you know, I think I'm kind of going to prove this. And so my social experiment was, I just wasn't going to go to work for her. Did again. you answer emails? I, I had my email open. So I was basically sitting at home. I had my computer in front of me. Email was open. And I sat there first day. There was no email. I'm like, hmm, well, that's interesting. Wonder what would happen if I do it a second day. Did it a second day. Sat there. No emails. Did it a third day. Sat there. No emails. When I finally came, and I think I did it from like a, it was a Friday, Thursday, from like a Wednesday to a Friday. So then it was the weekend. And when, You're so and when I got back to work, shoot, you took a vacation. The, <laughs> the only person who said home. something to me was Felicia. Exactly. Which was, I was looking for you. Where'd you where, go? Where were you? Oh. I was like, oh, I just wasn't at my desk. Well, it's just kind of true, but. <laughs> and, and with that, with those three days, I realized these, regardless of what Felicia does, because Felicia, her job is to get people in front of the CDs mm -hmm. to create an environment that's... Um, she's supposed to empower people. Em empowering. And she did those things. And, you know, she's somebody who I could go and be like, hey, like, I don't have any work. And she would literally walk me into people's offices and be like, hey, did you meet this person? Which is... Which is the reason why I was able to feel confident walking into the office saying, hey, well, do you have work for me to do? But she was the only one who realized that I wasn't there. So for them to say, hey, we're going to give all of this ownership of diversity and inclusion to these people who don't understand what diversity and inclusion is. And quite frankly, they, they're the problem. Like, they're... I feel like there's no investment there. Like, or they don't at know. least when you have, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the next thing I kind of want to talk about is kind of what is the role of a chief diversity officer of a CDO? Because I feel like at least when that is your job title, at least when that is the description you are given mm -hmm. and that is the understanding that you have of what your day-to-day -day 
tasks will be there is an investment there mm-hmm. as with any position any job you want to you want to be able to show progress and you want to be able to show return if no one actually ha- like if no one has any investment or if no one is tasked with providing diverse results and beyond brown like let's just talk about women like mm-hmm. let's talk about let's talk about the you know LGBT community. Let's talk about it for real, for real. If no one is tasked with showing progress, how in the world does that make them own this? Like, it, like all I see in all of these comments is a lot of smoke and mirrors, a okay. lot of brushing right. off, yeah. a lot of sweet talking, and a lot of shoulder rubbing. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any action because it's kind of like, at least with Felicia and with all uh, the other CDOs of that nature in this industry, this is their thing to talk about. This is their platform. Mm-hmm. Right. When they go to stakeholder meetings, this is what yes. they're talking about. Yes. As it's supposed to increase their value. Perhaps 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 a, a resource person. Maybe not just human resources, but perhaps like creative resourcing. A creative resource person would also have some sort of investment, but I don't see, I don't see a creative director or an account director having the same kind of investment or wanting to actually put that on their plate. And you know what? I don't blame them because you have a whole bunch of other things you need to be worried about. Right, and, and so to that point, when you when they say everyone owns it. I think uh, another question arises as well, are they going to be measured on diversity and inclusion during the review? So they're not, and we know this. Um, But it just reminded me of this conversation I had with a recruiter last year after the 3% conference. Okay. uh, Because... And what's the 3% conference? So 3% conference is the conference for... 3% of the population. (laughs) No, it's 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 about women in advertising. Uh, I think it started with the fact that three percent of the creative directors in advertising are women, which is a problem because that's an extremely low number, and women have been working in advertising since forever. So this conference is about, to me, um, and I don't have this in front of me, so feel I'm free to, yep. um, <laughs> you know, correct me. But it's about empowering women. It's about creating strategies for diversity um it's pretty much giving women a platform and showcasing them as yeah creative uh superiors in the in the industry so it's breaking that glass ceiling and so i was having this conversation because if you haven't and i think everyone should um go on youtube and google um or search for cindy gallup uh keynote address for three percent conference 2015 it's extremely relevant to this conversation because she doesn't hold back. And she wasn't just talking about women, she was talking about uh, people of color and she was talking about LGBT and the excuses that these agencies make. And one of the excuses that she mentioned was, Mm -hmm. sorry, Sam. Yes, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, but like one of the excuses she addresses if, if someone says that diversity is everyone's responsibility. right. Well, so is taking care of children. And I don't see everyone out here donating their time to the Boys and Girls Club. Like, it's so stupid. 
but like like I said, I when you words. deal with it's diversity, stupid. it's a two part approach. Right. The CDO, in my opinion, like I said before, is the gatekeeper. Everyone is is to bring a new attitude that hey, like I'm empowered in a situation. You know, I know friends, or I you. The whole idea of everyone thinking about diversity is there because the CDO is there. The CDO is not there. How can you make diversity top of mind? And so, and to that point, just to finish the story, I was talking to the recruiter about it, and we were talking about her keynote address. I was like, yo, that was dope. I was having a little fanboy moment. Um, <laughs> and it dawned on me. I was like, well, obviously, you should be in the room. You're a recruiter. You're part of HR. But who else was there with you? Yeah. And she was like, well, she mentioned another recruiter. I'm like, well, was any CD in the room? Was mm. any, like, account manager in the room? Was anybody else who is a hiring manager in the room with you? And she was like, well, no. And I was like, well, all right, so how do you convince them about what your, convic- your convictions were from that day? And then she just kind of stared at me. So when you say investment, I think it's, it's not just about money. It's about a CD being willing and it able to, to invest their, his time and yeah. going to something like they a 3%. They have to be judged. They have to be quantified. Like, there has to be some sort of quantification that comes about owning diversity. Like, you as a CD, your job now should now become making sure that the work is of the greatest creative quality, making sure that your team is growing in a you know in a way that their creativity is able to be expanded and making sure that you are also providing opportunities for all for all that are interested in creative or specific to your team making sure that everyone on your team regardless of whether or not they are your BFF you the person you only speak to once a month looks different than you, a female, whatever, making sure that your entire team then has the same opportunities available to them from a creative perspective. That's how you judge that. And, I, and I mean, obviously we don't know. I'm pretty, I, I feel very strongly that we will not see a follow-up article about the 10 steps Deutsch is taking to make sure that everyone owns <laughs> but diversity. I but I do think it is important to understand that if they're not going to quantify it, if they're not going to provide KPIs on the account side for this, then there is right. absolutely no way that anyone is really owning it. Do you think more eyes, I feel like more eyes are going to be on Deutsch because, you know, they want to see... If they unravel or eyes? not, yeah, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I would like to see, like they were, like a year ago, Deutsch was winning awards out here for all their support. Everyone wins awards. I mean, but but like, okay, everyone wins awards for diversity. But the fact that now, you don't know how strong the glue was until it's gone. So do you think, like, yes, we know the environment's going to change at Deutsch, but how? To what degree it's going to change now that they don't have someone there as a chief diversity officer? Do you think it's going to change? I don't think it's going to change. I think, I think it's going to be businesses as, as usual. usual. <laughs> I mean, well, there, you were there, 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 there's definitely not going, to, probably not going to be um, 
George participation in certain things that a lot of us frequented, like Madison Brown and, um, right. you know, diversity events that would happen yeah. at um, Deutsch, but They're I don't... They're too busy getting their VR together. Yeah, I don't think anything's <laughs> going to, like, there's going to be, like, a major uh, adjustment, like, just tomorrow. I think some crazy shit will happen. Yeah. I think it's inevitable that some crazy shit will happen because... There's an ignorance around this topic when you start dealing with privileged, and that's in quotes, people. There's, there's, because if you go into the comment section on all of these articles, you'll see it. Like, there are people saying, well, that's good. Like, we didn't need a chief diversity officer anyway. Yeah. So there's definitely ignorance around this topic. Mm-hmm. So something's going to happen. You're going to have a, a repeat of whatever that dude was from, was it JWT? Yeah. Um, the rape jokes. Um, some sort of similar yeah. situation. Right. You're going to have some sort of similar situation when there's nobody to check you. Well, because right. when you when you have privilege and you have never been checked, yes. your default is to do some fuck shit. Sure. You know what I mean? Like If one stays basic, thou shalt yeah, remain like, basic. You, like that's going to <laughs> sweet that. To to be the to be the default. I think it's I also think like there's there's a piece of this, right? So from the recruitment aspect, at least at the chief diverse the the CDO, um someone's also responsible for bringing in new talent mm-hmm. beyond just like entry level Mm -hmm. so these internship programs these high school programs that get an opportunity to do look-sees in the agencies and you know work for the summer at an agency but you're you know you're a sophomore in high school they will I don't think that there will be as much as a care to bring them in anymore because obviously that is something that costs money you have to kind of pay for their stay Mm -hmm. so you know now there are there's a new generation of high schoolers and college college kids in diversity programs or or not even diversity programs because I don't think that a lot of these programs that cater to um, certain demographics are meant to be for the sake of diversity. I think it just like it just happens to be like if you live in an area if I go to a high school that is largely brown or largely Asian or or whatever, like, that just happens to be right. where I ended up at school because that's where my zoning was and that's where my districting was and this is where I got to go to school. I feel like a lot of those kids are not going to get the same opportunities that they had when there was somebody that was invested and cared mm-hmm. and dedicated yeah. to their growth as professionals. And their professional track at that yes. time in high school is about eight years away anyway. Right. So that's a whole decade of training that they're missing. And, and Felicia, so that's a, and she and was. And it's like a lot of networking that goes goes along to finding those groups and and you know that is the role of the CDO they network with people they meet people at different events that like I have a group in mind or I you know volunteer at a high school or I went to the school and they didn't have an advertising program or you know that's how people get to know about these organizations that's how it reaches their ears these. yeah and if you don't have anybody to network or to even care about that it, they're going right. to fall through the is cracks. Your, is, is your general, I don't know, is your head of technology now going to frequent these, you know, 
girl's code or you know is your yeah is your head of the account or your group creative or sorry account director are they now going to attend um career day at the boys and girls club you know i think i also think it's important to know that i don't necessarily think hear me out i don't necessarily think you have to have a chief diversity officer i do think it is extremely important to have somebody that is invested now if they are going to reposition the investment or if there is somebody else that happens to to lead a a different discipline within the organization but they are also extremely uh, passionate about bringing opportunity to people of all diverse backgrounds then kudos to them and then this conversation becomes null and void because at my agency and yes it is mid-sized we don't have a chief diversity officer, but we definitely have a handful of people that are dedicated to expanding the diverse reach outside of just their words, not mine, old white men. <laughs> and, and to <laughs> that know? point, like, and I just want to read something that I got from a CDO a while ago because it. You keep reading these things and I get upset and then I no, just no, 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 no. <laughs> We're talking about who owns it and the role. So yeah. you actually kind of want to like... This is the definition definition? It's, it's a high level definition because I was trying to be petty and I needed some ammo to, <laughs> to run up in HR. So <laughs> for him, he said, diversity is broken down into three areas. And this is shorthand because we were like in a, I, in a text message I am. Um, the first one is widening the pool. That's essentially looking at the people who come into the agency. It's outreach, looking into new places. So to Kai's point, the high schools, going to the girl codes, um, to the 3% conferences. These are, that's, that's how you widen the pool because the recruiters, the general recruiters are generally looking in the same places for talent. Uh, usually if you go to a, um, a lot of these agencies, you'll see that a lot of the people come from the same schools. Like, you'll see one from, like, everybody's from SBA, everybody's from VCU. And it's not all the time, but you'll start to see the patterns. So one of their jobs, one of their responsibilities is widening the pool. Uh, the second one is supply diversity. So this is working businesses in your creative supply chain that are owned and operated or co-controlled by women or diverse entrepreneurs, which could be set designers, pre-pro, post-pro, uh, casting, production, costs, um, photography, translation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, which extremely is beneficial to women because they are one of the fastest growing groups of entrepreneurs out there. And then the third one is nourishing the staff, which is basically retention and supporting employees to create in-house and build uh, communities and allow people to participate in all experiences. So when we start saying who owns it and you have Deutsche's comment, which is everybody owns it, those are three um, responsibilities that are extremely large, they're extremely time-consuming, that you're telling people to do on top of their exist, existing jobs. So right. 
for them to say even the receptionist owns it. So you're basically saying when she's not... What is she actively... <laughs> yeah. Like, when she's she not picking like, up the phone. Also, did like, she was, is it a pin that, we're, that everyone's wearing? Yeah. I think... And that, I mean, and that brings up another thing, right? Like, Deutsch, as we know... Like, a lot of people know the name Deutsch. Like, I can even go as far as my mother, who knows absolutely nothing about advertising besides what she experienced here last Monday during Bring Your Mom to Work Day (laughs) and whatever she has seen from TV shows and movies here and there knows the name Deutsch because a few years ago, Donnie Deutsch was on the Today Show as a contributor. So Mm -hmm. this is a global brand, right? So with that being said, knowing that they have such a great influence, not just within advertising, but within uh, business and pop culture like do y'all think that this is going to start a trend because that is my not fear because I guess no. I anticipate it but that's something that frustrates me is that this could potentially no. start a trend no and, I, and I'll tell you why it's not going to start a trend um, whether people want to acknowledge it or not we are in the middle of a civil rights movement mm. it's not as uh, I don't know what the word is strong as the one from the 60s and the 70s, but we are in a civil rights movement. What happened in Ferguson, what happens on in black Twitter, um, when people get offended and they're able to get someone fired from their job within a day because they're mobilizing on Twitter, on, the social issues are a matter. <laughs> God, God Disbelief. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean... I don't think it's going to start a trend because I think there are agencies out there who actually care and it may not be the care of like, oh, I just, I, I want to see like the United Colors of Benetton in my agency. It's, they understand that having a diverse agency is a difference between Mary J. Blige singing about fried chicken on top of a table and Burger King and actually having something like a Shea Moisture ad, which resonated with Crispy everyone. Chicken. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> so like, I, I don't, I, and for, for oh that reason, God. I don't think that it's going to start a trend because I think that a lot of agencies are smarter than uh, that. I think, think I'm, okay. I'm the worst, I know, I wanna talk. Um, I'm on the fence. Sad. I think that it's easier. Um, I think for larger agencies, they're going to rethink the uh, pie chart a little bit. They're going to rethink, you know, how can we steer the the agency so we can, you know, not follow this model per se, but making sure that all our employees have social issues top of mind so we don't have to use resources or monetary resources from our pie and we can save the agency money and i think because that's where you start introducing a cdo where your your agency like increases by a certain amount if you come from a small agency you don't have the resources for a chief diversity officer but you will have a diverse office if that's the mindset you already establish yep she said it. She said all the things in my head. Pow. Thank you. <laughs> Pow. I think, yeah, no, I mean, I don't necessarily think there's any the, anything to piggyback off of, but, like, they have to pay this person. So 
while I understand that there was a need for a technology push within the within the agency, within the business itself, because everyone is trying to basically build iRobot at all of the creative agencies all around the world. It's true. Everyone, is, everyone is jumping on <laughs> AR and VR and trying to be like the next big thing. And Google and, Paint. I mean, and that's fine <laughs> that they're late, but you, just because you, you late don't mean you, show, you don't show up. Like, yeah. where do they do that at? No, you still have to be I'll a be part right. of it if you want to be relevant. <laughs> I think the, the problem is that, and maybe it wasn't easy. Maybe I'm oversimplifying by saying it was so easy to cut out the DNI position to put to redirect that money to technology. Like, what else could you have taken that money from? Or if you are going to restructure, does it have to be does it have to be a, a chief diversity officer? Like, are you now creating a more, a smaller group, a more focused group to answer the the challenges of diversity? Because that's what it is. Like, if nobody's thinking about it, it's going to revert. Yeah. I do think that it will start a trend because now people are going to think, hey. We can change well, the if, mindset. Yeah, well, if it we, wasn't that bad for them because it wasn't, it was like what two days of like uproar and like silent uproar on on advertising Twitter and Facebook chats and all of that, and then what we heard like I really haven't heard nothing about it since then, you know. So I personally do think that people are now going to consider to Karina's point where they're putting their money. Going back to the first episode, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like how are you expanding the bottom line? Again, we're at this point yeah. where I think, th- I mean, I think the answer is simple, right? If you increase the pool, if you cast a larger net, in theory, you would get a wider pool of strong and of, of strong creative and strong uh, customer relate or client management and strong technology workers, but if you're just reaching back to the people you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to put my homie on, my homie Mike on, yeah. and I'm going to bring Sheila on, and Stacy's over there. I know Stacy's really good at drawing. She could start off as a junior, and by the time she gets back, like, it has to be bigger. Like, are you going above and beyond to find the best talent, the best pool of talent with the, a more vast, uh, with a more vast experience pool who are you, you talking know? about the days of the world i really like whoever whoever is in charge of recruitment retention hiring training They're and whole, technically yeah. that could be hr but hr has so many other things to worry about like these daggone benefits packages <laughs> that it's kind of like well who's actually going to be in charge of the creative the diverse creative and diverse resource pool do you think a general and it's just a hypothetical question whatever i don't know but do you feel like the people who are just general hr people general recruiters have the ability to identify diverse talent and let me go deeper it's basically being able to identify people who don't necessarily fit the mold of this is a copywriter, this is an art director, this is a client services person. Yeah. Because here's the other thing. This is the thing that pisses me off after working in 
advertising for X amount of years. I like to ask people how they got into the business. Well, I tell I, you all the time. I got in by it's accident. Random. No, 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 no. No, there's some random stories. Because I don't even and, remember and sending out those, my... I was a resume. carpenter. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and, then there, and, there, and that's exactly... That that's, ex, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because there was one dude who interviewed me, and I was like, so what were you doing before this? And he said, I was a soccer coach. So... <laughs> When, when we start... I mean, that's diverse perspective. Okay. He's got a team player Stop attitude. No, that's a brand. Stop playing with me. I'm not I'm even in my playing with right you. Now. I mean, <laughs> you didn't come in as a copywriter either. You came in from media. Right, but I went back to school, though. Oh. So, right. like... I'll take it back. With, with the focus. My, my, my thing is, and, and what I'm saying is, someone who looked like them was able to say, you know what, I think you can do this. Right. I mean, I, that I, was I, my I story. See, that happened I, to I me. See, I see something in you. Yes. I see a quality in you that yes. is relatable to this industry. When you start talking about diverse talent, um, I feel like it's harder for them to identify that because it's not their norm. Mm-hmm. It's not what's comfortable to them. It's, it's not... They don't, it's almost like they're aliens. Like but the it, diverse talent is 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 aliens. To I them. mean, it's, but it's you're saying you're saying identify, and what I hear is empowerment. Like what? people don't know how to empower people if they don't look yes, like them. I see where you're going. With yeah, this. keep on going with it. I, I don't need to be empowered. No, no, actually you do. You did actually say. you do because t- to your point. You want you do want to be empowered. You do want somebody to see something in you and invest in you and to applaud you when you're right and to and to flick you in the back of the head when you're wrong and tell you to do better because that's what makes you a better worker, a better professional. And to that point, now that you said that, I just remembered something. (laughs) I retract my statement. Which was the first one club creative creative boot camp, which. Felicia was a part of mm-hmm. that Tiffany Edwards from the One Club when she was there she threw and I didn't win the first year um, but I do clearly remember Felicia coming up to me and going you got it don't stop see you next she year was, it's so, important to have people like that to that point your yes you do and so but <laughs> you're so petty. I don't need to be empowered. <laughs> you're just so angry. You need to take a second to think about it. I don't, I don't need your empowerment. <laughs> I just want money at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Because I clearly remember Thank that you, moment Sid. where... <laughs> Needs a lot. But she was she, But that was her specialty. That was her craft. Being able to... To, I, to look at diverse talent and say, well... Actually, that is a skill set that we can utilize, even if it doesn't look or sound like the norm. Can I share a Felicia story? Sure. I'm going to share it. We can all share Camp Felicia side stories. stories. I don't ha- okay. You don't have that a Felicia actually... story? I have like a half a story. Aww. I think you're now the outlier. Ooh. <laughs> okay, just Back for the record, this is why I don't, to be honest, this is why I don't like the term outlier. Whenever I've been called an outlier, it's been as a, it's been in it's been said in a way to show how not only was I different but I was literally not a part of a group and Mm. it's not always said in a negative way like some people think like being the outlier is 
a Here. good thing, but like I always feel left out. Like you are purposely trying to leave me out. So when you say outlier, I hear FOMO. FOMO. Oh. Fear of missing out. Okay. Like you're that not a sense. part. You're actually not a part of the group. Back in high school, because you know back in the day everybody was a part of a squad. <laughs> I hung with this group of girls, and they called themselves Thug Misses. But, like, I hung with them, but they would never count me as Thug Misses. It was Thug Misses and Kai. Wait, how did they not count you as Thug Misses? This is what I'm talking about. This is why I don't like to be considered an outlier. I am as much a part of any team as anybody else. I, I contribute just as much as you all. So that word... That word gives me heart palpitations. But your name is Kai, though. You're Thug Misses in this group. Wait, is Kai, no. is Kai a Thug Misses? Do you want to be Thug Misses? Leave me alone. Just okay, keep going. What's but your you story? Know what? My story connects the two because it was when I was in, you know, my program, and it was at a, at a women's leadership group. And I was feeling down in my spirit. I was new to the account management, and I felt like an outlier. I didn't look like the other girls. I didn't wear Tory Burch flats. I didn't dress preppy. I was different. I have big curly hair. So mostly, it's in a bun. But <laughs> you know, I look different. And I remember sitting at the event with Felicia, and I'm like, I just I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think I was on the verge of tears. And she told me that, you know, the reason that you're here is because you're different. You, there's only, basically it was like a Sesame Street story, but it's, there's only one you. And you bring what's important to the position. Anybody can be an account person. Anybody can work in client management. But what makes you different, what makes you what makes your boss want to hire you is your personality and the things that make you different and what you can bring to the group. And I, and even though sometimes, yes, it made me feel good in my moment, I do remember that. I do remember like anyone can pass off an asset to the client and whatever. But what, what I bring to the organization is myself and my personality and, my, and what makes me. And that always stuck with me. Wise words from a wise woman. I think at this point, we might as well just go into, like, offering up some solutions. So, as you guys know, we're not here to just vent or complain about the things that we see going on uh, within the industry. We're also here to provide some next steps, right? Like, we want we want to always end on as much of a positive note as we can. So, rather than just leaving things where there are... What do we think are some next steps that the industry, agencies, businesses, people, et cetera, can take to own diversity since it's now everyone's responsibility? Whether you have a CDO or not, you have to understand that it's diversity and inclusion. You know, and if everyone's going to own it, you still have to make sure that people are owning it. So it's a two-person, it's a two-group approach, and it's a two-prong approach. It's not one-sided. It's not oh, we've we've scratched. We can tick off diversity off of things to-do list. It's something that is ongoing and it's needed to keep your environment, your work environment, as safe and as contributive as possible. That's my opinion. 
I don't know what my opinion is on this. Um, I, I feel like a part of me probably feels like somebody's great-grandpappy, and I just, like, mm. it ain't going to happen in my lifetime. I also feel like there's somebody's <laughs> great-grandpappy. <laughs> where it's just, like, it's, it's not going to happen in my lifetime where you're going to be able to convince the mass majority of these people who are still there, which is predominantly at the top, which is predominantly white men, um, to, I don't even know if it's empathy, like, because if, every, if everyone owns it, then whoever, whoever's owning it needs to be taught the, not just the talking points, but the, it, it's hard to say because it's like you're, you're, you're trying to change someone, change someone's opinion about like you're trying to change an adult's opinion which is to me is like one of the hardest things on the planet it's why like relationships don't work period like two adults trying to come together and make one life when everybody has their own issues and they come with their baggage and I just feel like you're you want these people to drop their baggage and just like pick up a whole new like load and I, I don't feel like that's going to happen in my lifetime And but I feel like a chief diversity officer helps to helps them to drop some of their issues along the way and like small little ways it could be just like Felicia walking me into an office of someone who probably never would have said anything to me in an elevator. Mm. But her walking me into that office and saying, hey, have you met Simeon? Kind of drops whatever that dude may have been carrying that may... That may have prevent Yeah, the baggage. That may have prevented him from, I don't know, like, saying what's up. Mixed company, you learn. I guess I guess my my next step or what I think is important for people or for agencies and the business as a whole to kind of understand with the with uh, prioritizing diversity and inclusion is that you have to show it's a priority. I think people are angry. We are angry. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front. I'm it, it's frustrating to read articles as we have these discussions, not just here as a team, um, but in bars during happy hour right after work um, on Gchat, uh, at kickbacks at all the homies' house that work in the industry, like, we don't feel prioritized. And there's nothing more, there's nothing more infuriating than somebody rubbing it in your face that you're not a priority and taking away an entire department an entire discipline that was created to make people feel that they are of value to to the industry, to the world, and saying that it's not more important than the technology we need to create, it hurts. It doesn't just piss people off. It hurts people, mm. right? Yeah. I think as a next step, if it is a financial decision to get rid of the department, what would be helpful is to see how else are you going to reprioritize diversity and inclusion 
within your organization. If it is that everyone from the CEO down to the receptionist that should own diversity, what are their key to-dos, daily to-dos that actively having them actively actively have them promoting the change that mm-hmm. is diversifying your pool and including people of more diverse backgrounds into your resource pool right yeah what are you yeah. what is the growth like i mean we don't have plan? to go into that right now but like as we know there's data on this and guess what not one agency comes out and shows their data about how their diversity and inclusion efforts have progressed over the years mm. since what 2006? No, no, no. Since 2006, I'm talking about like way back, like when when this when, became a topic. Yeah, when the topic became a huge issue because Madison Avenue was not diverse enough, right? It is 2016, and no one really releases like this is what we've done. This is what's changed. This is where we stuck. Instead, we get one of the largest agencies in the world, most recognizable agencies in the world, rather, um, saying, you know what? Diversity is cool. It's not as cool as technology. Everyone just needs to wear it on their sleeve and keep it pushing. People feel disenfranchised. People feel unimportant. And people, again, as I mentioned last time, like they're going to leave the industry yeah. It's not like like people that are not people people that are brown, people that are women, people that are, you know, LGBT, like they did not just appear five years ago. This is yeah. not a new problem. Yeah. Advertising did not just appear five years ago. This is not a new Concept. lane of work. Yeah. So why is it that it's twenty sixteen and this is still a conversation we're having? Like to to me to your point, like this was also a huge issue during the civil rights movement. And we are, what, 40, 50 years past that. But it's not, it's not important to the people at the top. And we feel it. We see it. We recognize it. You can sugarcoat it. You can wrap it in your words of team players and everybody and say things as inclusive as CEO and receptionist in the same sentence, but it's still going to harness the same feelings of you don't care about how I think. You don't care about what I bring. I bring just as much money into this organization as the person that looks nothing like me. And guess what? If you have two of us doing it for the for the same amount of money, you're probably going to get double your return. Yeah. So my next step, my solution is to prioritize it. If you need to restructure, that's fine, but you need to find a way to prioritize it and make your resources feel it. Nobody works harder for you than a happy team, and if you don't have happy yep. team players, you're not yep. going to get no work done. Yep. So to backtrack, maybe I do have a little next step. I just think you, they need to educate. If, if everyone owns diversity, then they need to educate everyone on diversity because the the next excuse is going to be ignorance is yeah. I didn't know I don't know and so the, to, to me that should be the next step is you know how are you going let us know like how are you going to give everyone the tools to own diversity to that point I would like to <laughs> like to add from <laughs> President Obama that I read today <laughs> which was 
he said, and this is at, uh, I believe, the Rutgers um, graduation, let me be clear as I can be in politics and in life. Ignorance is not a virtue. It's not cool to not know what you're talking about. That's not keeping it real, telling it, telling it like it is. It's not challenging political political correctness. That's just not knowing what you're talking about. And I feel like if people don't know what they're talking about when they start talking about diversity, which I feel the heads who responded to this article about why did you hire these two, three white men for this position instead of looking for diverse candidates, their response was ignorance. Mm. It didn't answer the question. It wasn't strong. And so I feel like they need to educate themselves and they also need to educate themselves on what diversity and inclusion really means before they make a bold statement like everyone owns diversity. I also think it's really important because President Barack Obama has been on, like, He's just been on a roll. Like he said, he's, he's about to bounce out this presidency. <laughs> he's about to bounce out of this presidency, giving everybody all of their one-liners and quotes for the next fifty years. Word. We're gonna be quoting him like Dwight Eisenhower. But when he was at the Howard University uh, uh, graduation, um, obviously he was a keynote speaker. Yeah, he made a point. Right, it's not just about it's not just about the people at the top. He also mentioned that. For those of us that feel powerless, it's important for us to do more than just start movements via Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really important for us to actually speak up. If it's if it's a voting situation, you need to vote. In our yeah. case, every time you guys, you know, every time we get those um, forms, you got to fill out talking about how well your diversity is at your job. You should fill it I'm out and fill it, it out very honestly. Yeah. You know, honestly, sometimes it's scary to bring things to people's attention, but you have to you have to bring things to the attention of those at the top, and there's a respectful way to do it. Yes. And there is a way to get your point across without... Being too without, aggressive. Yeah, like, you can be aggressive, you can be assertive, you can be assertive, maybe not aggressive, but you, you can, can be, be assertive. But definitely make sure your voice is heard. <laughs> and if it can't be heard within your organization, make sure that you're talking about it. Because the worst thing that can happen now is that th- these kinds of conversations die, and right. people go back to feeling it internally, yeah. and internalizing it, and feeling bad about themselves, when the reality is the issue isn't us, it's the there. issue is the system and just how things work and, and and efforts to change it. Yes, they're making changes at the top, but we can also make change from, from the bottom up, as we talk about here at Mixed Company. The system's not perfect, and I feel like people need to be okay with that. The system will always need revisions, you know, to make it better, to perfect it. So... I, I think we need to step away of being so afraid of change and understand that, hey, like, no, even if we put out the best commercial, we, we know it. We, live, we work in advertising. You know, it could be better. Even if we ask Spinax to do it again, you know, we try to make it as better as possible, better than before. Why can't we apply that same idea to our system and to our workplace? Yep. Cool. I guess with that being said, we can close out. This was Word. a great discussion. <laughs> I mean, it was long. We were in our feelings. But I, I think I think we hit on some some good points. And I agree. to your point about what me, Kai. No, well, not your point, but President Obama's point that he made at Howard, which is kind of like my point. It's fine. It is. I'm with Howard. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like my point. 
So for, for everyone, I think, you know, this is a conversation everybody should be involved in. Um, and if you don't feel empowered to say it at work, you can definitely send your suggestions to us at axmixcompany um, <laughs> at gmail.com because we want to help. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we want to hear Let your thoughts, know. but we also want to help help your thoughts bubble up to the top. Um, this is a platform and it's new, but the goal is to make sure that the people at the top hear it yeah. and that they respond to it. And if you guys are chiming in and you're giving us input and you're giving us suggestions about um, what could be better at your agency or what we could be doing better or what you know the industry could be doing better as a whole, we would like to hear it and we would like to share it. In the words Sharing of the caring. great Sean Carter, Estelle Carter, Jay-Z. He has many good words. He says, you know, we don't believe you. You need more people. It's one thing for us to say it, but it's a lot... It's a lot more impactful right. if everyone's joining the conversation. So we look forward to your comments. We look forward to getting more listeners. Make sure you guys share out all the links. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud. Um, hit us up. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. <laughs> I mean, we'll be, it gives you, we'll be here. We'll be here. But we look forward to hearing from you guys. And thank you so much. Um, this is Mixed Company. I'm Kai. I'm Karina. I'm Simeon. Peace out. Bird. Er-